I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. Hey guys, Michelle here. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast. We are talking about burnout on today's show. And I think it's such an important topic. So many of us, I think, are either in burnout or on the brink of burnout without really being aware of what that actually means and the toll that it takes on our bodies. So it's important that we understand some of the signs and symptoms of burnout and then also what we can do if we're there, right? How do we go about healing? How do we go about recovering from burnout? So my guest on today's show is Shelly Kemmerer. She's a board-certified physician's assistant. She's the founder of Run, Tell Mom, and she also has a certification from the Training Institute of Parental Burnout. We are going to talk today about so many things that impact burnout. We're going to talk about household equity. We're going to talk about burnout prevention. We're going to talk about um, parental burnout strategies and parental health advocacy and the mental load and 
Just parental burnout, even as a component of family planning. You guys are going to learn so much in this episode, and I'm believing you're going to walk away with some practical tools and tips to help protect yourself against burnout, set some of those boundaries that need to be set, true self-care, and then also ways in which you can start your journey in healing burnout. Enjoy today's episode, you guys. Shelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. We're going to talk all things parental burnout today and self-care, which we love talking about on the podcast. So I'm excited to jump into it with, with an expert like yourself. Before we do that, just tell everyone a little bit about you. I know you're a fellow mom, the work you're doing, and how you came to be an expert in this arena. Sure. So my name is Shelly, just like you mentioned. I'm a board-certified physician assistant, and I'm also a parental burnout strategist. So I not only do I work with parents, but I work with parents, caregivers, and also healthcare professionals in you know mitigating burnout, burnout prevention, and kind of doing all sorts of things at this point. I feel like I just kind of jumped into it three years ago, knowing with the pandemic kind of what was going to come from it. It seems like a lot of the parents, you know, early on, were starting to say, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm taking on too much. You know, I'm having to do school related stuff now. Childcare is too expensive. And so things started kind of tacking on and tacking on. And that's when I kind of, I guess, essentially jumped into parental burnout prevention because for me, it, the writing was on the wall. I think a lot of parents kind of were screaming for it over the past three years. And now we're kind of seeing the fallout of, you know, what's happening with, with parental burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that in a lot of ways, um, experiencing it. And also it was, I think the impetus for this show, even like just this awakening during the beginning of the pandemic that all of the women in my circle were just like the marriages felt like they were on the rocks. Like all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're homeschooling a teacher, you're expected right. to work the same amount of hours and do the same amount of work and output, yes. but also like take care of everything else all in isolation, right? So it's like the perfect, yes. perfect storm. Yeah. Wow. Change the community, change in support, change in everything, essentially. You become yeah. the household engineer plus 10 million other professions. Yeah. And with no warning or like training, it was just like, felt like overnight you saw it coming on the news and then bam, it's like everyone's home, figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think for a lot of people too, I mean, when we become parents, it's not like we're given a manual and the manual says, you know, this is what you need to look out for if X, of course, there's, you know, tons of parenting books out there, but this is something completely different, right? This is, you know, a, a change of, community support, a change of, you know, your occupation, essentially. I know a lot of parents who say, you know, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm like, stay-at-home mom works 24-7, right? So you're you're constantly working. And then with parents who are homeschooling now versus, you know, maybe they weren't homeschooling before, they're having to do that and juggle, you know, all the other responsibilities. So it becomes a gigantic burden when you don't have the resources or support in place to, to manage it all. Yeah. So when you talk specifically with parental burnout, how does that show up, if at all, differently than when we just use like the generic burnout term? Is it is it just that the cause, I guess, or the weight of the mental load is 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 unique to parenthood, or are there other ways it differentiates? So you know, with parents, they're expected to balance kind of everything. So like the professional and personal life, and also you know, raising happy kids, successful kids, calm kids. 
But all of that kind of relentless juggling that can lead to this sense of, you know, physical, emotional, mental exhaustion relating to your parental role. So yes, like that um, kind of difference, this is all parenting related. So you're thinking of that, you're thinking of this like prolonged stress that's coupled with tons of high demand, yeah. lack of resources, and you start to feel maybe a bit, you know, indifferent, loss of connection with your child or children, feeling more, you know, detached, and also feeling like you're having this kind of stark contrast realization of maybe the parenting person that you were before. So that parental mm-hmm. self now versus then are feel different. Mm. And of course, you know, some of the more significant stuff when we're starting to talk about neglect and, you know, physical harm, things like that, like that's, you know, further down the line with, with parental burnout. And this is why I work so hard to talk about prevention versus, you know, parental burnout recovery, because, you know, both are different, but yeah. So you're, you're talking more to your parenting role and how it impacts your parental self and your family. Mm. And I would assume like anything else, early intervention is key. So what are some of maybe the initial warning signs that a lot of us, I think we just kind of resign ourselves to being exhausted as moms doing a lot of things, or we're just like burnout equals exhaustion. And you mentioned like the dissociation or some sort of things that, you know, can, can differ from just exhaustion, but tell us a little bit, like if I'm a mom, It's been going Mm -hmm. 24 seven. What are Mm -hmm. some ways that I might be able to, you know, have that alert go off and be like, Hey, this is a warning sign that this isn't normal. And I'm headed towards burnout. So I can start to do something about it before I'm, you know, completely off the deep end. Yeah. So I would say to start, as you mentioned, uh, exhaustion, right? So if we're feeling like even after a full night's rest, if we could even get that right, you know, a full night's rest, you're still waking up and feeling maybe exhausted, lethargic, like you're just kind of on this hamster wheel and you're doing these things constantly. Maybe you're feeling a bit more irritable, like little things are kind of making you snap more easily. Maybe, you know, as far as like your bandwidth is concerned, you have a tighter bandwidth where you're not able to maybe juggle or manage the things that you might've been juggling before, you know, gosh, there's, I feel like there's so many, there's like the, the, the less common signs and kind of the, the more common signs with it, just relationship with children. Maybe you're not playing as much or you're just like, disinterested in what you're doing. I think a lot of those become some of the mainstays of, you know, I'm noticing that there's a change in myself, maybe even, you know, your, your partner, if you're in a partnered relationship, then your partner is starting to notice like, Hey, you know, maybe you're not engaging as much in like child related stuff or, you know, things just feel like the energy feels kind of different in the house and you're just not as, you know, enthusiastic. Maybe you're a bit more cynical about things. And, you know, I think another one too is like this idea of escapism or like fantasizing about doing other things. So those might be some of the, I guess, less common or less obvious ones that kind of show up. But nonetheless, if you're feeling like there's a difference between your pre-parenting self and your your current parenting self, that's definitely the time to start seeking out some additional support. And, you know, like I always say, if you're exhausted and you're not entirely sure where that exhaustion is coming from, speaking to a healthcare professional is so important because 
maybe it's a bunch of contributing factors, right? Yeah, exactly. Like some level of tiredness, I think is to be expected, especially with young children, but there is a point, right? Where you're like, I don't, it doesn't have to be this way. It might be something more. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think too, like with, with younger kids versus older children, sometimes people will say, well, the, the kind of symptoms, I guess, feel different because with older children, it might feel more emotionally exhausting because, you know, let's say you have a teenager and they're going through, you know, teenager related concerns, issues like changes in school, relationships, social media, et cetera. So that might be more emotional. Whereas with like littler kids, you're maybe physically more exhausted because you're chasing them all day, you know, like you're constantly having to pick things up and you're on your knees and, you know, you're up and down and kind of everywhere carrying. So there might be different kind of categories of that, but that can kind of, you know, manifest itself in different ways depending on age. That makes so much sense. How old are your kids? I have a five turning six year old and we also have a 12, well, he just turned 13. So 13 year old. So starting Mm -hmm. to venture into that. that Yes, exactly. So it's two different, it's two different categories and you know, it's not, it's not easy. I think, you know, a lot of the time we get this kind of snapshot or curated picture of, you know, maybe a beautiful home and these gorgeous, like Pinterest, Pinterest, esque <laughs> boxes that are curated and they're, you know, beautiful and everything looks so immaculate. We're like, mm, but things are messy. Like things get difficult and parenting is not so simple and straightforward. So we get that real life, R-E-A-L life versus the real life, R-E-E-L, which is just a snapshot of what is going on. So yes, yes. I love talking about that too, because I feel like that's a message we can't spread enough. Like don't believe yes. everything that you see so much pressure we put on ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know you teach about three components of parental burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So we just kind of went through like the defining factors. So with parental burnout, do you want me to redefine it or should I So I guess what are the three? Maybe that'll help clarify. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned with the emotional exhaustion related to the parental role, you know, that's one of the main components, stark difference between current self and previous self. Got it. And then there's also like cynicism. I mean, the cynicism can be like work-related burnout or parental burnout-ish. I would say more of like, you know, detached from your child or children and you're kind of seeing these things show up in a way that you just don't feel like you're that current. Mm-hmm. You're you're the same person that maybe you once were that had, you know, more energy, more enthusiasm, more kind of, I guess, emotional investment in the things that you're doing. And, you know, it, it drains you and you get to a point where you're just kind of like, well, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And this doesn't feel great. And I just need a break. And I don't want to play toy cars anymore. And I don't want to keep doing the laundry and the spit up and, you know, all this stuff. And so once we kind of, I guess, identify some of those few things, then, you know, you have to kind of assess like what is actually needed and look at like a person's particular situation, resources and support to be able to determine like what, you know, an individual will need because it's not a one size fits all picture whatsoever. Everybody has different resources, like different financial resources, different supportive resources, different local resources. Mm -hmm. And so I think everybody needs to be handled or kind of 
managed individually to be able to kind of say like, this is what you need Hmm. in this moment, or this is what we can kind of set up for you as, you know, future prevention or resources to maybe offload you and your workload a bit. And sometimes that's even just looking within the household and saying this split of chores and tasks is unfairly divided. So that's definitely a component of it too. Yeah. So I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about maybe some things that mom, the moms listening can start to do. And I know you love to talk about self-care and I want to go there too, but I was actually thinking of something while you were talking that I want to ask you. When you start to notice that you might be experiencing parental burnout and you, you are feeling like maybe I don't want to play trucks with my kids right now, or there's Mm -hmm. things that you don't want to do with your partner. What is a good way to go about communicating that to your partner or even your kids? Like to what extent is it appropriate to share certain things with them or, or is your recommendation and coaching to kind of push through it and sit with them and play cars if that's the last thing that you want to do? Like what's, what's a good approach? Sure. So I think for everyone taking into consideration age, obviously like age appropriateness. So let's say for instance, it's the situation is my six-year-old. So my six-year-old has a gigantic amount of energy and loves to play, loves to get into things, hands in the dirt, hands in the paint, all these things. What can be done individually at that moment to say, Hey, you know, if you want to set this up, so, you know, my, my youngest one loves Beyonce, right? So loves to draw, loves Beyonce, two favorite things. What can you do in this moment right now that'll take, give you some time back? Mm-hmm. So for instance, I can say, Hey, Hamer, if you want to work on this drawing right now and start doing like the outline of the drawing in a few minutes, mommy is going to help you color one side of it. And then you could color the other side getting, you know, a few minutes, like stepping, stepping away at that point, a teenager, it might be different, right? So like with a teenager, they can have a bit more independent time. They can, you know, whatever it is, like spend time with their friends. I know for our oldest one, he loves to play video games, but he's also into a lot of sports. So he's outside, he's at the park, he's hanging out with friends, that sort of thing. So I think kind of, you know, develop like developing some ways and strategies for the kids to kind of spend even if it's like a bit of time on their own if it's age appropriate now if you have a baby and you're doing laundry and you're having to do all the dishes and all this stuff thinking about what is truly urgent versus not urgent so you know as a board certified physician assistant like one of the first things that we learned is triaging between urgent and non-urgent things. Because if you have a room of people there that are like, hey, everybody has something going on, you have to figure out who to ma- what to manage first. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, maybe the dishes are going to wait a little bit longer. Maybe right now while the baby is like rolling around on the floor, I can, you know, sit on the floor with the baby hanging out, still like, you know, engage with the baby, not ignoring the baby, but like spending some time to just sit there and just relax instead of going, 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 going. Yes, things need to get done. But I think there's such a push in society for us to be productive constantly, or we have no value. And I think mothers truly feel that they feel that pressure coming from all sides, from social media, from the household, from the, you know, the mixed messages, everything that we're hearing about ourselves, like, yes, we have to be productive to prove ourselves. But is that really the case? 
do we really have to prove ourselves to everyone that we're good parents, that we're productive within our household, that we're doing 20 things on our task list to be able to brag to somebody else that we got the 20 things on our task list done? No, we compete mostly with ourselves. And I think once we have that kind of thought and idea in mind and saying, one, what is truly urgent versus not urgent? Mm -hmm. And two, how can I get some time back right now? How can I take that time, depending on what is going on in the house or my situation, to kind of claim my time so that I'm able to just decompress for a moment and give myself a little bit more space to kind of understand like what my needs are because you can't do that when you're scrambling around, right? Is it really hard for you to relax if the house is a mess? Are you someone who cleans when you're stressed out? Maybe you're an overachiever. You tend to work a lot. You're always busy. Are you really responsible? Are you a rule follower? Maybe it makes you really uncomfortable when others don't follow the rules. How about detail? Do you have a good eye for it? Do you hate being late? You might have thought these were all just parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And then over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we often think of as our personality is this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategies that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what is blocking who you are. The good news is that once you take the quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and you can live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two minute personality pattern quiz. I want to, I do want to talk about self-care because I know you talk about reactive and proactive self-care. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the difference and maybe some examples of each that we could, at least the proactive ones start to incorporate. Sure. So it's interesting because I just looked this morning, I was curious just to see how many hashtags there are on self-care alone on social media. And there's close to 74 million. Wow. So it's, you know, we know that burnout is, you know, pervasive and it's not just in the United States, it's kind of everywhere, but parents are bombarded with redundant self-care tips. If we're all still feeling exhausted, then it's not working. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's not that it's a shortage of tips because we have all those It's that we're, you know, we're not short on ideas. We're short on time. We're short on resources. We're short on support. So like just thinking about that in and of itself, understanding kind of the nuances of Mm self-care. I want to break it down from like those two kind of core categorical elements, which we're talking about is like proactive and reactive. So here's my analogy. So proactive self-care is more about prevention. So Mm -hmm. think of it as like 
it's, you know, summertime, it's getting warmer out, you're applying sunscreen before you go to the beach. So you're taking steps to prevent the sunburn before that occurs. So maybe that looks like regularly scheduled workout session, whether that's like, you know, 30 minutes of running, you're fast walking, whatever it is that you're doing, hit exercises, et cetera. Maybe it's a morning meditation that you're setting every morning. You have an intention. I'm going to do a meditation for five minutes, creating that routine walks outside, reading a book. So it's these consistent actions that kind of, you know, we take those to maintain well-being and, you know, maybe build our resiliency. Parents, I'll say this. We are already resilient beings. We don't have to prove this to anybody, right? Like we've been through a ton over the past several years, maybe even longer. We're already resilient, okay? And I see a lot of this like, you have building resilience. Yes, that's important, but like we are already, let's give ourselves some credit, right? Yes. So in essence, that, that component is the routine maintenance for a mind and body. So that keeps us kind of tuned up and ready to tackle all the unpredictable demands and life stressors that are kind of thrown, you know, in our direction. But then on the flip side, I see reactive self-care kind of come to play when we're responding to maybe events or situations that have already caused you stress, mm-hmm. um, discomfort, things like that. So maybe that's like, you know, during a heated discussion, taking a breath, mm-hmm. maybe after you had a long week, you're going to do some sort of spa retreat, you know, you're ordering Thai food instead of cooking at home. So like reactive self-care is about addressing some of those immediate needs in an attempt to kind of repair or at least lessen the impact of that damage that's already been done. So if I go back to the sunburn analogy, it's like applying cicaplast or like aloe vera. <laughs> right. Burn. And they're they're both kind of essential, right? And they play two different roles. But the long-term strategy and how I see it is reactive self-care is more like bandaging. And as I mentioned, they're both needed at different points in time. And that's not to disparage any kind of reactive self-care. It's just to say that, you know, all the preventative stuff, I think those are kind of keys in, you know, practicing these routines and being consistent and showing up for ourselves and really like demanding that time so that, you know, when the reactive stuff comes in, you already have all that proactive stuff as yeah. a preventative measure to reduce the likelihood right. of burnout and things like that. Mm. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great analogy too. It's like, we'll do as much preventative stuff as we can understanding yeah. that some of it's just going to happen. It's inevitable. And then we'll do what we can on the back end as damage control. Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a harmony between the two, because if you're equipped to handle, you know, life's challenges and you're using kind of both because they're they're both crucial. It's yeah. not choosing one or the other, but it's understanding how to kind of pull the tool out of the toolkit when you need it, but having the toolkit there so that you can use those tools when you need it. Yes, yes. So we talked about it a little bit just in the pandemic, I think amplifying the isolation that parents feel. And I would even venture to say maybe even bef- the pandemic definitely amplifying that, but I think parents probably felt quite isolated for a while now as we move away from our families of origin. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear it takes a village and you're like, well, where's my village, right? That's like that we hear all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But what are some ways in which we can 
collectively as moms or just as a society in general, help to support each other and look out for ways that we can come together so that as a whole, we don't experience parental burnout or as much parental burnout? That's a really good question. So I think over the past three years, a lot of us, and I can speak for myself, a lot of us have gotten used to either working from home, doing discussions like, you know, talking with individuals from Zoom. We get used to that. But then when we go back out into society and we start interacting with one another, we're like, ooh, this kind of feels a little bit different and weird, right? Like we don't, it's hard to put ourselves out there and kind of socialize and and having this experience for, I think, a lot of people, especially, you know, new parents during the pandemic, they were kind of robbed of that, you know, that unique kind of connection and community that they might get with different play groups and socializing maybe at daycare and they didn't have that experience. So I think right now it's kind of finding the individuals, you know, that maybe you share a similar experience within a community. If, you know, there's younger individuals or you have younger children socializing in some way that it's not just about the child playing and always referring to the child, but what are your own personal interests? You also have to think about like the parent themselves and not just the child. So yes, there's tons of parent play groups, but kind of, you know, asking questions about what the other person enjoys doing, like hobby wise. I know the old, the easy question to ask people is like, where do you work? If you don't feel like asking that, you can ask something like, oh, what are some of your favorite hobbies? It might feel weird at first, but you find out a lot about people when you start inquiring about who that individual is aside from being a parent. Mm-hmm. Yes, parenting is an important role and it's life's work, right? But you're still you, right? You're still Michelle. Like Michelle has needs and concerns and interests. Yeah. And Shelly has needs, interests, and, you know, hobbies, whatever the case may be, but finding, you know, people that you can spend some time with. So for me, I joined a book club and it's been amazing. It's, you know, I'm almost 40 years old and I kind of laugh. I'm like, I love gardening and I love going to book club and I love, you know, interior design or whatever. I have different interests now that I did, you know, prior to parenting. Find that and explore that, like what it is that makes you feel joy. And what about other people in your community or, you know, parent groups that makes them feel joy? And I think, you know, that's a kind of, I guess, a a simpler way of kind of forging those connections. Also, you know, just finding out locally, like what is offered for parents. Mm -hmm. Talk to your healthcare team and say, hey, you know what, I'm looking for more virtual support right now. And maybe over the next couple of months, I want more in-person support. What can you offer me? Where can you guide me? Do you have a website or anything that I can explore so that I can start meeting people Mm. that are either in similar situations that I am or maybe have similar interests? Mm. So exploring that, I think loneliness is a real problem right now. And we're seeing even the U.S. Surgeon General talking about loneliness being a problem. And so the more we kind of you know, combat that in small, gradual ways, I think we'll start to reweave community and finding other people that might be a little bit like us and you want to spend time with them and learn who they are. 
I love all of this so much. It's so good. And I feel like a lot of what's coming through for me just in this last part you were sharing is like, I think so often it can be quite easy to lose our identity in motherhood, right? And sometimes even with my coaching clients, I try to have them describe themselves in a way that has nothing to do with what they can do for someone else. Yes. It's really hard because they'll be like, you know, I'm yes. I'm generous or I'm giving or I'm like, that's beautiful. And you're, you're so good at all of these things. But like, who are you actually, right? Like what lights yeah. you up and making yeah. these connections that aren't just, you know, play dates or just about the kids can awa- yes. reawaken some of that in us. And then on the, on the, in the same vein, I guess, I think yes, loneliness is an epidemic, but so is a lack of play in adulthood, I think. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. I love it. So powerful yes. for regulating our nervous system, healing from burnout. Yes. So like you were saying, like exploring hobbies, asking people what they like to do instead of yes. what they do for a living, right? Like a totally different question and a different way totally to different. connect. I love that so much. So, so, so. Yeah. What, what makes you laugh? Yeah. You know, did you see something recently and you just laughed out loud? Share it. You know, text somebody and share it. This made me think of you. This made me, I mean, little things like that, even just like texting a friend and saying, Hey, I was thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. Or like, Hey, this video reminded me of you. Let's catch up soon. Something like that. I think we get so used to this routine of kind of maybe being in our house over the past few years. And that, you know, that creates strain and it's hard and it could be awkward to kind of get back into that. But what is it that kind of, you know, what can reignite you? What can maybe reignite some lost connections that weren't lost because people were mad at each other? It just kind of fizzled out that way over the past three years. Like, what is it that you can kind of not bring to the table, but like talk about that can humanize you a little bit as a person, as a person that has things that they want to explore in life that aren't necessarily child related. Right. These are all good questions to kind of ask ourselves. And when we approach it from that angle too, it's so much less of like a chore or a task that we have to yeah. get done on our list, right? It's like, oh, wow, this is actually enjoyable and life-giving. Yes. Yeah. You feel like you get a little bit more fuel in the tank Yeah. when you start to think about those things. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about all the self-care strategies in the world and there's tons of them. There's tons I can say, you know, optimize sleep. I talk about that a lot. Optimize what you're eating. Of course, you talk about that a lot. Like, you know, therapeutic support, X, Y, and Z, like there's all these things, but what lacks a lot of the time is talking about what brings us joy yes. and purpose. Yeah. And that's not attached to the things, as you were saying, like these things that we do for other people, but what is it that we do for ourselves that gives us some gas in the tank? That's it. You are, you're speaking my language right now. Yeah. My, um, I choose a word of the year every year. And this year was joy. Cause I'm just like, I am on mission, <laughs> like something new this year. Yeah. Like I'm going to forget the productivity or all the things that like, I'm usually so wired to run on. And I'm like, this is going to be the year of joy and play. Absolutely. I love it. You founded an organization, Run Tell Mom. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what that's about and then maybe some of the resources that you guys offer for the moms listening. Sure. So Run Tell Mom helps parents and caregivers with living children navigate the journey throughout parenthood. So I partner to fill the space beyond clinical care to provide, you know, customizable resources, evidence-based resources, either one-to-one consultation workshops, personalized prep courses. 
So I kind of do a mix of things. And I also, you know, present to companies and, and organizations. I've presented at social rounds at in orthopedics, you know, I'll be presenting at Postpartum Support International this summer, but I kind of do a, a few different things. And eventually, because I'm still creating it, I'm creating an e-workbook. Cool. I'm making it super affordable. I know there's, I don't want to throw my, you know, throw my hat into the ring with a bunch of, you know, self, self-help type books, but this is more about being able to work on things individually and kind of customizing things within our household, within our workspace, familiarizing ourselves with some terminology so we can have a better understanding of, you know, parental burnout and workplace burnout. Mm. So that'll be coming out within the next, I'd say, month or so. But I do that. And then, you know, as I talk about with parental burnout prevention, I look at that as a form of family planning. So I want to start that as early as I can, building your resources and support system, kind of developing your own like personal safety net with you so that when you need the things that you need in the future, they will be there instead of scrambling to assemble everything later down the line. Because yes, that is possible, but it's much more difficult when you're in the thick of it. So that's kind of what I offer right now. It's kind of a complement of care when you receive, you know, all these things. So I fill that kind of resource gap that, you know, you have a baby and then all of a sudden you're like, woo, there's a lot <laughs> going happened? on. Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? And all of a sudden they're, you know, a toddler and I'm wiped out and I didn't have, you know, the things that I needed prior. Maybe that was doula support. Maybe that was you know, finding local resources so that you can have affordable child care, wraparound care. Maybe that's finding like therapeutic resources in your area or connecting even with like postpartum support international to be connected with like a support group. So yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell right now what I'm offering. And that's I'm looking forward to at least having that workbook done so parents can download that for super, you know, super affordable price and not have to worry about paying, you know, hundreds of dollars to attend sessions for things. Yeah. It sounds powerful. And I love how your focus on it being individualized. I think that's so yes. fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. That, so where can good. people find all the, I guess the run, tell mom resources and then connect with you further if they'd like to do so? Sure. So I, you know, you can find me at runtillmom.com on social media, at sign run tell mom, all one word. I have a stand account that's, you know, link tree stand, all that stuff. That's all kind of tacked onto my website. But I think the easiest way to find me is just at runtellmom.com. Obviously, if you have any questions, you can either send a message through my contact form or email me. My email is also on there too. And yeah, I mean, follow on social media if you'd like. I know sometimes I'm on there, sometimes I'm not. I'm trying to be really deliberate about not giving, not overwhelming parents with too much because there's already so much out there and it's feeling competitive. And that also adds to it. It's, you know, we have to practice what we preach, right? So (laughs) so good. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Shelly. And I'm just so grateful that you are filling what feels like a very big gap for a lot of moms, I think, in this in this burnout space and just bringing awareness 
to it, first of all, and then also providing resources in a way that feels really mm, careful and responsible, I guess is what comes to me. Yeah. So grateful for you. Thank you for your time again today. Oh, thank, thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate that. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.